Welcome to PCI Cast, a conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Let's hear what the team have been talking about this week. Hello everyone, welcome back to PCI Cast. We have had a little bit of a hiatus uh, since really the first couple of weeks of May, but Ben, it would be fair to say that it was a fairly reasonable excuse uh, as to why that was the case. It was more than an excuse. Uh, with great joy, I can announce the birth of little Julia Faith Preston. Hooray! Yay! Um, the lines for me have fallen in pleasant places, and we are grateful to God for a very, you would say, a very prompt um, yet safe arrival of little Julia on a Sunday night on the 14th of June. Did you get that date right? I, yeah, you, you caught me looking down there, and <laughs> yes, no, that is right. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So, how are mum and daughter are they okay mom and baby are great and phoebe has taken to the role of big sister wonderfully and joshua as a two-year-old boy just well he potters about and pokes at her from time to time yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good he's got two sisters to look after and protect and, and guard and stand up for now so it's crazy suddenly you have three little ones about the place and you've got to find space in your head for those three and where they are at all times. I suppose you and Jenny are now outnumbered <laughs> yeah, in the Craigie Hillmans. We are indeed. Yeah, yeah. We are indeed. Uh, before we get underway, a uh, little bit of housekeeping as we usually do. Off the back of our last, last episode uh, with Chunk uh, and Leslie Ann, we are giving away Dark Clouds Deep Mercy, a book by Mark Vroigop. We don't know how to pronounce that. Terribly sorry if you're the author and you're listening to as, me as I. Uh, completely tear apart your surname uh, but congratulations to Mrs Ruth Dalzell uh, for, for winning that so we'll we'll get that to you Ruth as quickly as possible for those of you who don't know Ruth, Ruth is uh, the voice yeah. of the PCI cast intro and outro yeah. uh, so uh, it seems fitting that we end our first series of PCI cast with that going to uh, really the third presenter of, <laughs> of PCI cast it is fitting but it is also not a fix no, definitely not a fix. It was uh, Ruth's name was drawn out of uh, a hat this evening by our guest, who I will will now introduce. Our guest this evening then is Mr. Gordon Lyons. Gordon is MLA for East Antrim and is also a junior minister in the Northern Ireland Executive. So, Gordon, thank you so much for being with us this evening. Thank you very much. It's fantastic to be here. I've listened for a long time and. Delighted that I'm here for the season finale. It's it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> We've been ramping up yeah. the next episode, really. Uh, it's absolutely true. Uh, listen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is uh, Gordon Lyons? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, where did you go to church? How did you come to faith? What's, what's that story? Well, there's a lot of questions there. So I suppose we could start at the beginning. Um, I was born uh, in Balamoney and uh, grew up just outside Coleraine in a little place called Balrochian and um, was a member of Ballywatt Presbyterian Church uh, for the early years uh, of my life. And um, I suppose the church played a huge role in me coming to faith, I think. I think that's the case for, for so many people, um, isn't it? That gr grew up within the church and um, we were all very blessed there to have um, very faithful um, elders, minister, um, Sunday school teachers, you know, I, I went through all of the youth organisations, you know, it was the Sunday yeah. school, the Bible class, the youth fellowship, the boys brigade, all of those things we, um, 
growing up in, in, in the household, it was very much, you know, you go to church, you go to all these things. Yeah. And um, I look back and I'm really, really thankful for everything that I was able to, to learn there. And, um, I, you know, I'm one of these people that I can't give you a date and time that I became a Christian. Mm. I can't say, you know, it was in the 4th of May, 1999 or, or, or whatever else it might be, because um, for me, it was very much um, just a gradual um, revelation, I suppose, mm. of, um, yeah, okay, I think I always, I always would have said I believed in God, but I don't always believe that I had that proper understanding of, of what Jesus actually did and why I needed mm. yeah. Yeah. Christ in, um, in my life. Um, but I, I think it was those key years from about 13 to 15, 16, where I, I can look back now and say, yeah, that, that, was, a, that was the point where I, I suppose I really, really came to faith. Um, so, yep, grew up just outside um, Korean and Baroshian, as, as I said. Mom, dad, two brothers, and um, a sister. And um, yeah, that's what life life really did revolve around, I suppose, church and church activities at that time. Take us a little bit further into the story of, uh, of how you ended up to be in, in politics. You know, some people, you get this sense that that's probably the only thing that politician could do but you <laughs> that's not the case at all um, i know there's plenty else uh, and plenty of other things that you could be doing right now why politics <laughs> i think i can honestly say it was by mistake um okay. i know some people that wanted to be in politics from when they were a young age and always had dreams of doing x y and z um, <clears throat> whenever i left um, school i went to university in newcastle and I didn't really have any clue what I wanted to do. I was still at that stage. I was told, get a degree. It's a good thing to have a degree behind you. It opens up doors to, to other things. And um, started off um, doing a little bit of history and languages at, um, at university and transferred over to, to really do history and pol politics and history okay. um, was, was mostly what I had um, what I had covered. And I remember finishing off, I'd, I'd gone over to England for, for university and I remember thinking, I want to come back to Northern Ireland. And uh, I was starting to think, what am I going to do? What, what do I want to do with my, with my life? And I, teaching was always something that had been in, in my head and I thought mm. being a teacher would, was great because I, I, really, I really enjoyed um, some classes at school, especially mm -hmm. towards the end. I thought, yeah, it could be good. I could, I could be a teacher. I could, I yeah. could see myself doing that. Um, so I was considering doing a PGCE. Okay. And I came back to uh, Northern Ireland. In the meantime, it was going to be a little while before I could apply again because I'd missed the initial cutoff time. And um, I had started to get a wee bit more of an interest in politics. Okay. And so I'm living back home in, in Korean at that time. And I find out that there's a job available here in Lovely Larne. And that there was a MP here um, by the name of Sammy Wilson who was looking for someone to come and work for him for a three-month period. Right. And I thought... Three months, I can do that. Gets me a little bit of extra experience. That'll be fine. Then I can go apply for my PGCE, and you know, get to do something else. Fantastic. And did you know Sammy at all, or you didn't know him at all? It was through different um, connections, just that I had that with, within the party that I wasn't a, um, uh, very involved in, in in politics at all. Okay. Uh, but I thought, yeah want to be involved with the party, want to want to apply. So went there for three months and I ended up working for him for five years. 
And give us uh, what time? Well, give us a sense of years there. Uh, two thousand and seven. So I began working for him in two thousand and seven. It wasn't long after the assembly was restored. Yeah. At that time, so it was really just in the opening months of of, of devolution, after it was restored after quite a while. So two thousand and seven to two thousand and twelve, and then did you, uh, I suppose, a popular route for uh, uh, politicians is into the local council, and then perhaps up through the to the ranks. Did you so from working for Sammy, then did you? Going to yeah after representative uh, politics. yeah after after I worked for Sammy I actually got an opportunity to go and work in the policy unit ah. for the for the party and I worked there for a couple of years and then the council elections came up yeah. and um, I'd ran previously in elections before that and wasn't successful I thought yeah you know I'll give give it another try why not and um, so I got elected to Midden East Antrim Borough Council very good um, where we currently are in two thousand and fourteen you were living in Larne yeah. uh, at the time and and. How did that, how did how did what was it like? You're a Christian. You're trying to kind of live out your faith there at that level. And council wouldn't be full, council is full time, but it's also uh, we working with the party as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So most people that would be in council, I suppose, would either be retired or still have a yeah. have a job. It's not a, a full time salary, I suppose. And um, uh, most people would have without like I said, they'd be retired or have have another job. So it can be. It can be difficult to sort of manage everything, but I have to say I really enjoyed my time on council. Okay. Um, the council was just setting up at that stage. It was quite a lot going on. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it was an exciting time mm. and um, a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and I really enjoyed that. This was the first that the individual councils all joined in That's to right. the big super council. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember those. Remember those. <laughs> you, you can still travel about Lauren and you'll see Lauren council, but now it's Middle East. Yeah. Good. After... After a period of time, then when was the when was the assembly election? So I I got elected to the council. I think in May it was May twenty fourteen. Yeah. And the following year, hmm. um, August twenty fifteen. Yeah. Sammy Wilson resigned from the Northern Ireland Assembly okay. to stay full time at Westminster, and so I applied to, to take the co options. So didn't have to yep. fight an election. Um, so I was co opted in August twenty fifteen and was in the assembly then for a number of months until the next assembly election in 2016 yeah. and then i was i was re-elected at that stage okay so you, you've been there now five five years you have at christmas time i guess there was lots of discussion um lots of pressure being put on the parties to get back together again that happened and you found yourself as junior minister in the northern ireland executive um, which is, uh, shall we say, a position of a little bit more responsibility than a lot more responsibility than maybe just um, serving your constituency. Suddenly, your constituency is not just in East Antrim, but you're looking over all of Northern Ireland. How have you worn that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is it is very strange. I know other other people have said this um, numerous times, but we we took office on the eleventh of January, and um, before too much longer, obviously. Covid hit yeah, and right. everything that came with it. So, I think it was one of the maybe the third or fourth meeting of the executive. The the minister of health made a report saying there's this thing called coronavirus and it could well be coming our way. Um, so we were really in office for a couple of months before this all hit. So it was it was hard to kind of I suppose get bedded in or or see what that job would really have been like during during normal times. And obviously, Covid has taken everything over since then. But before we unpack that let's 
quickly ask because you're a Christian and you're trying to do you're trying to, you're trying to manage governments and be an elected politician politics is a harsh environment it's poisonous in social media and then add in the extra layer of being a, a Christian how do you find that? Um, I, I think it's going to be the same I don't really think it's that much different for me as I think it is for, for Christians in many other jobs Good. Um, we always I think all of us live in a, in a world where there is certainly at times hostility mm. towards us because of our, of our faith there is I think um, the desire on the part of Christians to make sure that they act and conduct themselves um, in a way that is that is right um, you don't want to in any way let the side down um, and I think that certainly the, the, the pressure is on uh, in that way you want to be um, uh, you don't want to dishonor God in anything that you say uh, or you do and I certainly try that in how I live um, uh, my life so that I, you know I don't want people to, to look at me and say huh, that that fellow calls himself a Christian I don't want to have anything to to mm. do with that but I don't think it's it's particularly unique um, to to our to you know the polit the Christian politician I think it's the same for uh, for so many people um, in in the jobs that they have yeah so we've already mentioned COVID how has that changed the the day to day landscape for you working in in your constituency in in, in Stormont as well what does a what, what, what's the what's the executive table yeah like well I suppose in a number of ways things have changed for for me I suppose first of all um, a large part of my week would have been taken up either through executive um, departmental business or consistency business here of going to events and meeting people and that's all gone and that's been very very strange you know normally you would have a constituency appointments and they would last for a long long time multiple people coming through the, the mm. door one after another uh, that's obviously stopped and I think we were just getting into the way of going within the department as well of going to the meetings and seeing people and there's a, a lot of face-to-face um, -face work to do and that, that's all changed. It is incredible how technology though um, is just at the right place right now that we mm. can do Zoom and that we can engage and interact with people in lots of different ways but um, yeah especially in the first couple of months it was very very odd, very very strange and different from what we've become used to. What's the strangest um, background or person that you've seen in Zoom? <laughs> um, I have seen some people that have been in their beds. No names, no names. No, no, no names. definitely not. No I've, seen, I've no seen some people that have been in their in their beds and um, the pets and children walking by and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> We're all used uh, to Zoom now. And that's just in Craig Hill Church. On ah, the, ah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Very good, Gordon. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I, I mean, uh, another thing, certainly from from my perspective as not an elected representative, as someone who's just just observing, I mean, I said to you before we, we, we started recording, you know, there seems to be much more unity, uh, certainly in terms of optics at the minute, in term, in, in, you know, between the two main parties, between I mean, all between all the parties of of the executive, would that be the the feeling in the in the corridors of power as well? Yeah, I I, I don't just think it's optics. I think it's um, what's actually happening behind the scenes as well. Mm. Like there's always going to be disagreements or differences of, of opinion, but broadly, I think that we have been on the same page because we all start from the same basis. We want to prevent the spread of the virus, and we want to make sure that um, we save as many lives as possible and we're all working towards the, the same end um, and 
there really haven't been um, great differences of opinions on, on most of the issues most of the time. So yeah, there's been a cohesiveness and a, and a working well together. Okay. And, and with regards spe specifically to your job, and you can comment on this in a corona or non-corona way, what, what's, your, what's your main responsibilities then around the, the executive table? What, what, what's Gordon Lyons' actual <laughs> job? <You> know, <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose um, first and foremost, I'm there as the junior minister to the, to the first minister. So there'll be some deputising for, for her at events that she's unable to, to go to. Um, some specific responsibilities as well that we have within the department. There's a lot of um, issues around good relations, um, urban villages, which like renewal projects, mm. and um, some of those issues. Brexit is obviously a big, big issue at the minute. It comes under the remit of our uh, department as well. I was just there last week giving evidence to the scrutiny committee in the assembly uh, about that. And th with the health minister being so busy, he has also passed to us the coronavirus regulations. So every week or a couple of weeks, we go to the assembly and say, here are the yeah. um, restrictions that are being relaxed. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot of debate uh, around those as well. So I suppose really it's that supportive role and, and, and helping out taking, taking responsibility on and, and, and work when, when others are, are not able to do it. Yeah. Gordon, you have been talking a little bit about this work that you have been given. Uh, and. Uh, you're very humble about the, the manner in which you're, you're explaining that, but it is a vast responsibility, and you're just a normally you're an ordinary guy, um, and we've uh, we do as a as a people want to pray for you and, and think about that. But let's explore the the tension for you as a Christian and the the regulations in the church. Yes, you are living out your Christian faith, um, you're a witness and. Many of us have seen you on the BBC and mentioned faith, and, and we appreciate that uh, and, and, and what it means to you. But talk up to us about the, the decisions. You are telling churches uh, about when they can meet and when they can't meet, and, and there, there must be a tension for you in that. Yeah, it is. It is difficult. I, I think, first of all, um, the, the regulations full stop are difficult because yeah. I'm not the type of person that wants to see that kind of state control in, in the lives of people, you know, the, the thought that you're not allowed to go and see your family, mm. you're not allowed to, you know, be outside unless you're with a certain number of people. I think all of those yeah. sort of are, are uncomfortable for me. But yeah, I think I did find it particularly uncomfortable to say, you're not allowed to meet together for, for public worship. It's mm. not allowed to happen. You're not allowed to get married. You're not allowed to have the funeral that you want to, to do. Um, obviously, I see it as a, as a command. Um, f from God to uh, to worship, to, to go to corporate worship, to, to worship publicly with other people, to uh, sing and to pray and to hear God's word preached and all of those things. It's it's really, really important to me. And one of the things that I've actually missed most mm. um, dur during the lockdown is being together with, with church family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's very, very difficult to say from a government point of view, that's not something that you're, you're allowed to do. Um, but I, I do think that we, I, I still, would contend that we've done the right thing. I think because of the public health um, emergency, um, it, it was it was right and it was sensible that we have that we have done these things. Um, I think you see that also in the response of the churches now that they have have said, "Yep, you can." Mm -hmm. We've said now you can open again. Churches are still taking a cautious approach. Yeah. Not many people are going back uh, immediately yeah. um, because we all we all want to get that right. It's not as if the government's saying you can't go to, to public worship because we don't like what you're teaching. Um, it's the same restrictions that have been placed on, on all aspects of society. We're trying to manage risk 
and that message has been loud and clear from yourself and the executive and our own local church authorities you know, we're trying to manage risk make the place safe as best we can and facilitate public worship and i would be largely with you on on, on your decisions uh, thus far i mean in in the past in history we've seen um, government local government perhaps uh, restrict the gathering of people and including churches and and reformed churches have gone along with that for the for the good um, the, the the physical good of their people that is sensible and you who you know you meet with the chief medical officer you you're privy to the stats and the r number and the number of new cases and we have to trust uh, our executive uh, and honor those in authority over us mm. as as you now tell us it's there's a manner of safety or a, as you manage risk at, in, in the meeting again uh, what do you what's the kind of future uh, i mean i'm sure there are obviously major worries about economic uh, damage at the end of all of this but what about the church thinking through or maybe you might put that back on the other two ministers <laughs> in, in the room rather than yeah, you as a, a junior minister phoebe gets terribly confused with that so <laughs> gordon is a minister <laughs> and you're a minister i'm like no I, i'm, I'm sacred different. not secular <laughs> talk, talk us through that a little bit or yeah, well, I just think first of all, church is going to look very, very different for for, for a long time. If if we're in the position where, where there isn't a vaccine or um, people yeah. don't have that um, immunity to it, then um, it follows that church isn't going to happen the way that we knew before. We're not mm. going to have people all together gathered together very, very closely. We're not going to perhaps have that close tea and coffee time that some people might have. And um, I think it has implications for all of the things that the that, that churches do. Um, some of the, you know, for example, there last week, Craigie Hill, we had our holiday special, but That's it would right. have to be done virtually yeah. um, because um, obviously the, the p people couldn't meet together. Look, I, I hope that these restrictions can be eased um, further, yeah. but I do think it is something that, that we have to, to prepare for. Churches shouldn't get complacent and think, right, okay, great, we can open again now, yeah. so everyone's going to be back to normal. Yeah. And by September time, it'll be completely fine. That's not that's not going to be the case. So I think there's a challenge there for the church as well. How do we adapt to the new normal? What do we need to do instead? So I'd be interested to hear from, from you guys what you think that, that will look like. Yeah, well, I know our session met last week. We've decided we're going back to midweeks from the 15th of July, and we'll be... Uh, using the summer months just to kind of you you know start to work through our processes and but mo more importantly than anything actually I think it's in terms of building people's confidence up again yeah. that they know they can come back to a building where other people are and go home um, but obviously we've had people you know who've come through cancer and that kind of thing the past kind of year 18 months and have been shielding um, so it'll be a long time you're absolutely right before we're back be to hard for you as well in terms of funerals that you haven't been able to get close to oh, yeah. people and maybe not visit them in the home and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Not yeah. being able to do funeral or to do weddings and it, the it, sacraments and all sorts of things. Exactly. I mean, you know, Ben, you'll know there's there's times when, you know, a, a Zoom call's not enough or, or a phone call's not enough. You need to go and put an arm around people or just be present in the room with someone who's going through someone or something or... Uh, has just lost someone and just we've been unable to do that for for three mm. months now we, of course we know why mm. um but that doesn't make those those things any any no. any more easy but look you know steps are are they you know steps to some kind of new normal 
are, are, are tentatively being made. What, what, what's Return to Normality look like for, for Craigie Hill? Well, Kirk Session have met and we have working groups. Presbyterians love Little love groups and panels. Love a good working and group. So does government. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I thought we were being good company when we mentioned that. That's what you should tell Phoebe next time. The thing that you know, the two types of ministers are different, but we love a good committee, both of us. So we have like a we have a working group that's thinking through this. Our tension, uh, as Gordon already said, and and representative of many of um, our members at Craigie Hill, uh, as members of 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 all churches, actually, there's that desire, that great desire. To, to be back at worship, um, to be back at worship though in a place which is they can have a measure of confidence about, mm -hmm. um, and we're trying to facilitate that as quickly and as safely as as possible um, over the over the summer. And yes, the service won't look the same. It will probably be shorter. We probably won't be singing uh, "Thine be the glory" at the top of our lungs. Um, not a, actually I, I, why did i mention that we're gonna go to let's not go down the rabbit hole of singing not singing but you know it'll be the, certainly not as many uh, songs at the shorter service um kids facilities won't be just the same um you'll have to be shown to your seat and you'll probably be i'll not be shaking hands at the door I'll give you a nod but 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 there is a, a call uh, there is a call to worship yep. and there is a call for the, the people of god when it's safe uh, well no not when it's safe but but rather um when we're legally when, when we're led by by church by government above us and the uh, by our church authorities um considering the public health because obviously there are countries in this world where the government does forbade uh, believers from from meeting but not for public health reasons mm -hmm. um uh, so we, in those cases, we must obey God rather than men. But you know, there's that desire. There's that desire to to, to, to meet, and, and we will w with joy. We had a drive-in service, and it was just lovely to see through windows uh, people. Uh, and there is that desire, you know, to kind of open a door, and you know you can't. Yeah. Uh, you know you can't, and uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're not only commanded but privileged. To be able to pray for those in authority over us, Gordon. How can we pray for you yes. as our brother? How can we pray for your executive colleagues and uh, and all the rest of those who are who are, who are working to, to govern our country? Uh, I've spoken at various um, meetings, church meetings, and um, Presbyterian women's meetings and things like that lately. And uh, people people really always ask that question. I think it's I just go back to to say it's the same as as every other job. Um, the Christian in, in the workplace has responsibilities and um, there are things that they should, um, ways they should conduct themselves, things that they should do. And I think it's the same for for all of us that we that we act in, in the right way and that we're able to um, uh, speak speak truth uh, as well with, with, with grace. Mm. And um, I, I think that's really, really important that we can that we can do those things. And um, yeah, just for all of the other daily daily things that we we have and that we and that we need thank you gordon we will pray that the lord will give you um, his justice that you will know an increase in righteousness uh, that you would be fit to govern efficiently uh, as we conclude thank you for your time um, listening we thank you for um, being with us this whole season we have a loyal listenership or loyal listener no. All three of them. <laughs> All three of them. Uh, no, thank, thank you. This is the end of uh, season one 
and we hope there'll be a season two uh, as long as uh, the Lord spares us uh, and, and Trevor Gibbon doesn't <laughs> give us a phone call and tell us to cease and desist but <laughs> I haven't had that yet so that's not too bad <laughs> Trevor if you're listening don't phone please don't phone <laughs> um, no giveaway this this no giveaway this time we don't want to spread anything nasty yeah uh, so we hope you understand but still like and retweet this because you know just cause just because yeah yeah Gordon thank you for being our guest at the end of the season I know you were a little bit nervous but you've been great look it's been an absolute honour this is one of the best um, podcasts about life in PCI um, that I've ever subscribed and listened to so it's I, definitely I, in the top two it is, it is <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a real honour to, to be able to contribute in this way especially to the season finale it's I know. It's, I feel very, very special. Should we leave in a invited. cliffhanger of sorts? Is that what you have to do with the season finale? Nah. Nah. I, I'm relaxed. I'm, I'm looking forward to a summer break, even in these COVID times. And uh, we will return. We will return in September time with a whole new season. Yes, and we've already begun to line up some guests from... Both sides of the Atlantic, yep. uh, and for that, so uh, stay tuned for, for updates. But Gordon, thank you. Thank ben, you very much. Thank you, and thank you for having me in your house this evening. And also thank you to Dr. Jenny Preston for tremendous scones. Well, we're allowed to. We are allowed. Gordon, you're a junior executive minister. Um, we're allowed to be here, aren't we? Yes, that we are currently um, three people indoors, and that. Um, is in accordance with the coronavirus regulations. Brilliant. So we'll wrap up the episode now and we'll finish with high fives. Huh? No, no, I'm sorry. You just had to take it too far. Big no, hugs. Yes. <laughs> just for the record, um, I am not partaking in any of this illegal behaviour. <laughs> There's no behaviour. Done. <laughs> Fine. That's <laughs> fine. I'll do. Thanks for listening to PCI Cast. Join us again next time for another conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter using at PCICast. See you next time. Let's get back to business. Should we start again? Yes. Hmm. Hello everyone, good to be with you again after uh, a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I think it was the just the first couple of weeks of May we recorded our first episode, and uh, or our last episode, sorry. I'll start again. <laughs> you, 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 had, you had got so far, you see, you, 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 used, the, you used this big word hiatus and you're like, oh this is class. Oh, yeah. it's, it's I'm, I'm running around. <laughs> Look at me, right let's go. <clears throat> I'm very eloquent, shut up. Um, <laughs>